AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Well, that's why they were within one at 22-21 early was the turnovers that Purdue had given up as Edie puts it in. That moment really jumped out at me last night watching film with Tennessee. Bam. So like a layup for Connect, and they are having so much fun tonight. McCarthy looking for the end zone, has a man wide open, and it's Corum walking in. Impressive drive as a Wolverines answer. On first down, trouble, and a sack. That's Chase Young who got to him first. They traded for him back on November 1st from Washington. This is an outstanding job by Chase Young. He got called out. This whole defense did. It was unacceptable and embarrassing by Steve Wilkes. What do you think? You think a three in the quarter? There's your answer, and there's the result. Boom! Just your basic 20-point quarter for Devin Booker, his sixth of the season, and gives the Suns a 33-17 lead at the end of one here in downtown Phoenix. Tyrod Taylor play action again, steps up, dumps it down, Barkley, and his steam, Saquon stays on his feet, and he takes it in! Touchdown, Giants! Jamin Davis missed the tackle, and Barkley makes him pay a 32-yard score. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, March 1st edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUSAM AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. College basketball, who should be the National Player of the Year? The NFL, are you watching the scouting combine? The Cardinals, should they be interested in Chase Young? The Suns, can, why can't they put away bad teams? Uh, the Texans should trade Saquon Barkley. A lot of talk here. Saquon Barkley, would he be a good fit with the Texans? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10.15 or so around college basketball with Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. 10.30 will be interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also today's bottom line. And some local roundup stuff. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the national roundup. That'll include the latest line, rip from the headlines, from the scoreboard, and whatever else I can get in. And hopefully my voice will last that long. Then after the Sports Zone from 11 to 1 o'clock, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. And that'll include more phone call time. Right now, onto the pipeline we go and onto my water I go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. Okay, we'll see how this goes. 
Uh, we went. Uh, we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, who should be the college basketball national player of the year? Tennessee's Dalton Connector, Purdue's Zach Eady, and Kayla's Heron has the early returns. Tennessee's Dalton Connect, 80% of the vote. Purdue's Zach Eady Ooh. trailing at 20%. Okay. Well, that's interesting because much of the national media gave Eady the award weeks ago. That was long before Connect has led Tennessee to the brink of an SEC regular season championship. Meanwhile, today's ex-poll question, are you watching the NFL Combine on field work on NFL Network? And once again, Kayla has the early returns. Well, no, leading the way at 100% of the vote. This Whoa. is over. Yeah. Uh, this is over on X at KDOS AM 1060. NFL's not going to like that. They're only pumping out like 53 hours per day on this thing. Uh, if you are watching, the only prospect expected, uh, the only prospect projected to be among the top four quarterbacks that's going to work out is J.J. McCarthy, and he may be limited because he has a hamstring problem. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns won last night, but Kevin Durant and Devin Booker had to play 40 and 39 minutes respectively against the Rockets, who are the second-worst road team in the NBA. Why can't the Suns put away the bad opponents? Meanwhile, the Cardinals have plenty of salary cap space. That's something we're going to talk about frequently between now and whenever. Uh, NFL media, though, has connected the dots to the Cardinals and uh, defensive end, free, free agent defensive end Chase Young. Should the Cardinals go after defensive end, or you know, basically edge rusher Chase Young in free agency? Meanwhile, Saquon Barkley may be on the move. In fact, it's almost for sure he's going to be on the move. Uh, he's reportedly targeted the Texans as his per, uh, preferred free agent destination. Should the Texans uh, go after free agent running back Saquon Barkley? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at x.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by Around College Basketball with Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. We'll get to some bottom line answers from the pipeline questions that you just heard. And also time pending, at least some local roundup topped by Suns and Rockets analysis from last night, even though I don't think there's a whole lot of analysis required from last night, but we'll get to some of it. Uh, also, in addition to that, don't forget the extra point coming up with Kayla between 11 and 1 o'clock. Uh, uh, it is Friday, and uh, I do have internet connection today, which I didn't have two weeks ago today at this time. So we're good, <laughs> at least for now. That's only happened like twice in, in almost two years of doing the show at home. So, uh, you know, hopefully that will never happen again. You're listening to Sports Zone right now on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you 
1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. You're home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. All right. We are uh, 16 days away from Selection Sunday. It's March 1st. Uh, so bring on the tournament, as they say. At least I say. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joining the Sports Zone for college basketball discussion by Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. And Ricky, good to have you on the show, as always. Uh, before we get to some bubble talks, I got a couple other topics. First up, uh, nobody dislikes individual awards and in team sports more than I do. Uh, but I do think that Dalton Connect is maybe – he got shoved to the curb seemingly weeks ago in favor of Zach Eady for this National Player of the Year discussion. Am, am I kind of wasting my time making a case for Connect here? Connect is unbelievable. To me, he would be the runner-up to Eady right now. I think Eady is such a unique force, and he's fueled – Team success at such a high level, as long as you, you know, overlook last season's March Madness exit, that I think Edie is the deserving winner of any Player of the Year award in college basketball this year. But Connect would be number two for me, and the way he's done it night in and night out against top competition is just so impressive. I watched that entire Auburn game, and he torched them, especially in the last 10 minutes, took over that game. Auburn was a top five defense coming into the night. He ends up scoring 39 points. I want to say he had like 22 of those points in the last 10 minutes of the game. He was just completely on fire in so many different ways as a scorer, shooting threes, attacking in transition, got into his mid-range game a little bit, was able to uh, attack the basket with the defense teamed in on his shooting. So I think he's an incredible player. He has an incredible story coming from junior college and then Northern Colorado to Tennessee. And, you know, when I look at Tennessee, this is the type of player they've never had. It's always a defense first team that can't score. Now they got a guy who can really, really score. And that makes them interesting in March. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. Uh, Next up, a little University of Arizona talk. I've watched every meaningful second of every game so far this year. And I see some questions about their defense, especially on the perimeter. Uh, I think they have extremely questionable shot selection on offense. Might I be too harsh in my assessment of the University of Arizona? They're really good, for sure. I think, you know, they're going to get a one or a two seed. I haven't seen what the latest bracketology updates are, but there's no question this is an elite team. I love how quickly they play on offense. It just seems like they make decisions in a split second. Now, sometimes that does lead to poor shot selection, and I think anyone who watched Caleb Love at North Carolina could tell you that that's like sort of part of what comes with the Caleb Love experience. But when I just look at this roster top to bottom, I do think it's one of the strongest rosters in the country. Uh, Boswell, I'm, I'm kind of always wanting more from Boswell. I think he's sort of capable of more than we've seen thus far. But in his best moments, he looks like a really complete two-way guard. Johnson has been a revelation, obviously, this year. Balo is a really solid center. And they've got some good depth pieces, too. I'd like to see a little bit more out of K.J. Lewis, but I think he's pretty interesting long-term. Bradley's interesting. So, uh I like Arizona. To me, I would not pick Arizona to make the Final Four because I don't totally trust uh, their late-game offensive decision-making. But I do think the team is good enough that you can't discount them. And, you know, while they may not be my pick, I think they're a really good squad. And, you know, 
you just got to hope that uh, the shots fall in March because they got guys who can get off a look whenever they want to. It's just, are those shots going to fall? And are those shots, you know, being taken in optimal situations? Washington State has actually beaten Arizona three times now over the last 14 months, including both games in Tucson. What's your assessment of Washington State looking ahead to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, just an incredible uh, coaching job this year with Washington State. And, you know, this is a team that is just sort of coming out of nowhere. I don't think anyone really expected Miles Rice to be this good coming in. I don't think anyone expected uh, Isaac Jones and Jalen Wells to be this talented. So Kyle Smith has done an amazing job. What I like about them is that they defend and that they just kind of like force you to work so hard on offense to get a good look. They're not giving up anything early in the shot clock. Typically uh, it's a team that's not like a great shooting team, but they have enough shooting threats on the floor where they keep you honest. And uh, in general, I just think it's like a really solid one through five team. So they've been to me, you know, one of the biggest surprises in the country this year to see them win all these conference games lately with, you know, the lone exception being Arizona state. I think you know, that's the only conference game they've lost since mid January and outlasting a really talented USC team last night, I think. You know, Kyle Smith is up there for Coach of the Year, absolutely. And uh, while this team doesn't really strike me as, like, having the overall top-to-bottom talent to make a deep tournament run, I think their success in the last year of the Pac-12 has just been, uh, you know, one of the best stories in the country so far. Are Arizona and Washington State the only Pac-12 teams likely to make the NCAA tournament unless somebody makes a, like an unexpected run and wins the wins the conference tournament later this month in Vegas? I'd love to see Colorado in there, but I just don't know if they've done enough lately. You, losing to you know Utah and Washington State was really tough. I really enjoy watching this Colorado team play with Tristan De Silva coming into his own as a senior. Really uh, interesting score. K.J. Simpson's been unbelievable. He just seems like uh, just a total takeover guard in March, the exact type of guy you want leading your team in the tournament. And I think Cody Williams is really interesting as a long-term prospect. Uh, He's just sort of scratching the surface of what he'll eventually be. So I would love to see Arizona, you know, beat Stanford, Oregon, Oregon State to close out the regular season. That would get them to 13-7 in conference. I think they'd have a pretty good chance of, you know, making it out of the bubble and into the bracket, but it's going to be very close. They uh, didn't do themselves many favors with their non-conference scheduling, so it's going to come down to the wire. I'd like to see Colorado get in, so we'll see if they can do it. Hopefully Williams is healthy. I mean, he missed their last game again, and uh, yeah, he's a Valley kid, uh, and he's missed uh, – he's from here. Uh, he's missed a few games this season, so hopefully he'll be back. Speaking of Las Vegas, which I was in the end, uh, the college, uh, the uh, the Pac-12 tournaments in Las Vegas, uh, I've enjoyed watching the Mountain West Conference this season. However, the more I watch, the more confused I am. So help me break down the Mountain West. Yeah, I mean, there's so many teams above 500 or at 500. It just seems like you know half the league is really dominant, and then everyone's beating up on Air Force and San Jose State, like always. It seems like, but. You know, the top of the uh, Mountain West is really interesting. I think San Diego State going from the national championship game last year, losing a decent amount off that team, but, you know, bringing back Lamont Butler, having Ladee take a huge step up this year. He feels like he's been one of the biggest revelations in the country on an individual level. So I think, you know, San Diego State, you kind of know what you're going to get from them. They're a pretty similar team every year, but they're very formidable. Top 10 defense, again, they're going to make you work for everything. 
Uh, I love watching Colorado State play. I think Isaiah Stevens is one of the most fascinating players in the country. Just in total control of the game as a point guard, uh, you know, if you appreciate high-level passing and decision-making, I think Isaiah Stevens is the player to watch this year. And, man, New Mexico, I'm rooting for New Mexico. They're so much fun to watch with all those guards attacking you. Donovan Dent has been awesome. House and Mashburn are fun to watch. I really love JT Toppin as a breakout freshman for them. But it just seems like they win one, lose one, win one, lose one every single game. They can't really get any momentum going. They play so fast. They're such a fun team to watch under Richard Pitino. But uh, to me, they're probably a bubble team. Again, haven't looked at the latest projections, so can't speak super confidently about that. But uh, they just haven't done themselves many favors lately uh, over the last month of the season, it feels like. So I really like watching the Mountain West. I think it's one of the most fascinating conferences this year. But, you know, March is going to be the ultimate test of, like, can these teams really compete against the big boys of college basketball? Here in New Mexico, they they can't be losing home games to Air Force. That's part of my confusion with the conference. There you go. Uh, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation curling the sports zone. I heard Seth Greenberg say this week that he thinks the SEC is better than the Big 12. Is that a crazy take? Well, if you go on Ken Palm right now, the Big 12 is the best conference in the country, as it seems to be every year by the metrics. And the SEC is the fourth best conference. I can sort of see an argument for it, though. Like I said, I think this Tennessee team is like Final Four good and man. I'm Rick Barnes. I'm feeling a lot of pressure to make a deep run happen with Dalton Connect because yeah. you know this is your only chance with him. My my dirty secret this year in college basketball is that I love Kentucky. I think Kentucky is so much fun to watch. Rob Dillingham is must-see TV. Reed Shepard is just a basketball genius. I think he's one of the best players in the country, not only one of the best freshmen in the country, but he's just he's a master, and I can't wait to watch him level up in the NBA as well. So I know Kentucky has, you know, issues in the middle of their defense. I know their perimeter defense can get shaky, but they're so much fun to watch. So I could see Kentucky as a Final Four team. I could see Tennessee as a Final Four team. The rest of these squads, I don't know. I like Auburn, but I'm not sure they quite have enough juice. Alabama doesn't defend anyone similar to Kentucky, but I'm not sure they quite have the offensive upside Kentucky does. South Carolina, really good story with Lamont Paris there this year, but uh, again, more of like, I think they're they're a team that can win a game, maybe two, but maybe not make a deep run. So, you know, it just depends on how you want to evaluate the conferences. I think the upper echelon of the big of the SEC is perhaps on par or better than the Big 12, but the Big 12 is still probably the best con- conference in the country, top to bottom. The number one team in that conference right now is Houston. They've been number one in the computer polls for weeks. Uh, They're number one in the human polls this week. How do you compare Kentucky to Connecticut or maybe even Purdue? Yeah, how how do you compare Houston to Connecticut? Uh, uh, I'm I'm sorry, my bad. Yeah. 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 No, all good. Um, I mean, honestly, just amazing job by Kelvin Sampson. Again, Kelvin Sampson, the best coach in America. I think he's got a very strong argument for it. Losing two first-round picks off last year's team with Marcus Sasser and Jairus Walker and moving to the Big 12 and immediately dominating the Big 12 in your first year after losing two first-round picks, that is some wild, wild stuff from Kelvin Sampson. I think he is as good or better than any coach in America, number one defense in the country. Somehow their offense has gotten better while losing Sasser and Walker. At least it seems like it has. The numbers are pretty similar. Uh, Jamal Shad, just a master. So good defensively, so smart, so tough. 
I love high motor guards, and nobody is more of a high motor guard than Jamal Shedd. The guy just never stops running around on both ends of the floor. He's phenomenal. I do sort of question their front court scoring ability. They don't have a ton of size. You know, Juwan Roberts is kind of like a throwback junkyard dog style big. He's not really going to step out on the perimeter. He's not really going to score much in the post, but, you know, he'll crash the glass. He'll get some garbage buckets. And they're just going to have to, you know, beat teams like that in March. I think the tallest player on this roster is like 6'7 or 6'8. So how they compare to Purdue and Connecticut, well, those two teams have giants in the middle who are going to be NBA players and who are very, very good in Edie and Donovan and Klingen. So uh, I wouldn't put Houston on the level of the elite, elite teams just because they're a little small inside, and I don't totally trust their offense to be able to withstand long droughts. Uh, I picked Houston to win the national title last year, and that looked very bad for me, so I'm a little burned by them. Uh, but I think you got to credit Samson for uh, moving conferences, dominating in the Big 12 in year one, and just withstanding all the losses he had from last year to produce another elite team. Kansas lost at home this week to BYU. Bill Self, after that game, sounded skeptical. Uh, he's a good word, I think. Uh, whether Kevin McCuller would play anytime soon. Uh, they already have a short bench. Is Kansas maybe a team to go against once we get to the NCAA tournament, even if McCuller returns? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Someone asked me on another radio station recently, who is the worst team that can win the national championship? And I said Kansas. Assuming McCuller could come back, I sort of like the way their pieces fit if they're fully healthy. Now, obviously, McCuller is an all-American caliber player. They need him to be healthy at his best for them to even have a chance. But what I like about Kansas is that, you know, for the majority of the year, it seemed like they only had four players they could trust. And then Johnny Furphy, a freshman wing from Australia, has really popped for them recently and given them kind of exactly what they need, which is, a fifth starter who can space the floor with length and athleticism, uh, who can attack and transition. So there is part of me that is kind of like, I, I just like the way Kansas is starting five fifths. Uh, obviously that BYU game was a disaster. Losing to Texas Tech in blowout fashion a couple weeks ago was rough too. So, uh, you know, it's tough. Like I tend to just trust self to figure it out in March. It comes down to McCullough's health to me. If he's healthy, I do think there's a chance that they can go on another deep run, but I'd say right now, you know, the arrow's trending down for Kansas, and I wouldn't blame you if you want to pay them. Talking with Ricky, Don Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. All right, Purdue, best team in the Big Ten. Uh, do we trust them to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, and what other Big, uh, big Ten teams might you like? Yeah, Purdue, I mean – you would think they would feel so much pressure coming into this year after losing to a 16 seed last year, but you got to credit them for handling their business, right? Their ball movement is so crisp around Edie. He looks like he's a little quicker in his processing and decision-making when the double team comes. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer both look a lot better as sophomores. And I just feel like Lance Jones is the kind of guy they needed last year and they really missed just to have another capable ball handler who could play with a little more zip offensively and hold his own defensively. So I like Purdue. I mean, I want to believe in Purdue. I think that uh, Matt Painter has just done a great job building that program the right way. And Edie's such a phenomenal talent that you don't want him to ultimately go down as a punchline uh, for his March Madness struggle. So 
I tend to believe in Purdue. I mean, I might end up having an egg on my face on this one, but I want to say I believe in them. And then in terms of, like, who else in the Big Ten could make a run, I guess Illinois. They're the next most talented team in the conference, I would say, without question. Number three in offensive efficiency since they got Terrence Shannon back. Uh, they've been playing pretty well. Whether or not Shannon should be playing is a different discussion, but uh, he's a phenomenal talent. Fifth year in college basketball, still getting better. His three-point shot is majorly improved from last year. I've been watching him since he was in high school, uh, and he just seems to get better and more efficient as an offensive player every year. Being able to get Marcus Domask his, uh, from Southern Illinois has given them, you know, a secondary scorer and ball handler that they really need. And, you know, sometimes it just feels like it comes down to if Coleman Hawkins is going to make his three. This year he's shooting 39% from three after making 28% from last year. He's not really the defensive anchor you want in the middle, so Illinois is just going to have to outscore teams. But if I was an Illinois fan, I'd feel pretty good about this team because the offense is so good. You just kind of hope the other teams go cold uh, when you got a defense like Illinois that barely ranks in the top 100 in the country. So uh, I'd put them as maybe the second most formidable team in the Big Ten to make a deep run right now. Okay, I've watched Marquette with frequency. I can't get that performance, that awful performance, that UConn out of my head from a couple of weeks ago. Now they're going to play him again. So maybe I should just wait till then and try to assess Marquette after that? Yeah, I love Marquette. Picked Marquette to go to the Final Four last year. Obviously, that didn't work out for me very well. But they brought back a lot of the same roster, and all these guys seem a little bit better. Tyler Kolick and uh, also Iguodaro is maybe the best guard big combo in the league or, or in the country, or one of them at least. Uh, Cam Jones just keeps getting better, it seems like, as a secondary scorer and shooter for them. And I really like their depth, too. They just got a lot of guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot, who make quick decisions on offense. And they're defending at the top 15 level this year, too. So uh, I think Shaka is traditionally a very good defensive coach whose offensive offenses has lagged behind this year he definitely has the offensive talent but you know you could have said that last year too that they had the pieces offensively to uh, make a final four run last year's offense was better by the numbers a little bit so we'll see uh they've been awesome lately but they just got crushed by UConn as you said they end the year Creighton UConn Xavier you know they can go two and one on that stretch I think they'll be feeling pretty good into March but it won't be easy. The one thing that jumps out about them is they just don't get a lot of free throws. So it's kind of like tough to, you know, consistently score in the half court when you're not getting to the basket a lot, not getting free throws a lot. I tend to believe in Marquette again, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Igadora is another guy that's from here and didn't go to Arizona State. All right. Uh, some of the non-power conference teams, uh, they begin their conference tournaments over the next few days. How about some mid-major teams that uh, we need to pay attention to that you like? Hmm, let me think about that. I mean, are we going to say FAU is a mid-major team coming out of the American? Obviously, they made the sure. Final Four run last year. They've been very up and down lately in their first year in the American. Uh, you know, lost to Memphis recently, lost to South Florida. But I think Janelle Davis is awesome. Uh, Elijah Martin is really good. They still got size inside with Golden. So I kind of like them. Uh, I love Indiana State in the MVC. I think the MVC is loaded again. Drake looks very good. Uh, Indiana State looks tremendous around Robbie Avila, who's one of the breakout players in the country. Is a sophomore this year, shooting 40% from three. He's from my part of the world, Oak Forest, Illinois. 
south suburbs of Chicago. So it's been fun to see him sort of rise into this national player of interest this year. Uh, definitely watching Indiana State as they go through a tournament run. And um, I honestly think Drake could make a push too. Tucker DeVries is one of the better wing scorers in the country. He's having another awesome year. It always seems like Drake is in the mix, right? They're just sort of waiting for their yeah. breakthrough. So uh, looking at Drake as well. And then, honestly, I want to watch some of these conference tournaments before I can really comment on a lot of these other teams. Uh, I think, you know, that'll sort of show where everyone is at heading into March. And uh, I can't wait for these conference tournaments to kick off. Yeah, I'm with you on that totally. Uh, also, it seems like uh, DeVries has been playing at Drake for like 10 years. So, <laughs> so Very true. Hopefully, hopefully they can sneak through this year. Ricky, good stuff as always. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, if we can bother you later in March, we're, we're going to do that. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Ricky O'Donnell, SB Nation, excellent stuff from him as always. Next segment, phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. Get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline questions and time pending. We'll get to some local roundup stuff, including some suns and rockets from last night. Don't forget the extra point coming up, uh, hosted by Kayla. That's from 11 to 1 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. Then we'll have more phone call time then, too. 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, we got time and room for you right now. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to participate. First up, let's get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. Uh, today's poll questions, uh, the KDUS1060.com poll question, who should be the college basketball player of the year, Tennessee's Dalton Connect or Purdue Zach Eady? The ex-poll question today, are you watching the NFL Combine on field work on the NFL Network? And we'll answer the poll questions during the 12.30 segment of the Extra Point course hosted by Kayla. Also in today's pipeline, uh, questions that we'll answer now. Why can't the Suns put away bad teams? Uh, the bottom line of the Suns' awful bench is the biggest reason that they have not disposed of bad teams with more regularities. And also, uh, I don't have a, a list of the you know, teams with a winning record and how they've done against bad teams and so forth. But I can't imagine there are too many teams in the NBA that have not uh, that have uh, done a, as poor a job as the Suns have. They won a lot of these games against bad teams, but they should win them by more. And I'm starting to get concerned, and Kayla mentioned this like several weeks ago, the minutes being played by Durant, Durant and Booker are just astronomical. 
Also, should the Cardinals go after, you know, the uh, soon-to-be free agent uh, Chase Young? I guess he's officially a free agent now. Uh, the bottom line, I don't think Chase Young's anything more than an above-average NFL player, but there's no question that Young would immediately become the Cardinals' third-best defensive player. That says more about the Cardinals' defense than it does what I think of Chase Young. Meanwhile, should the Texans go after free agent running back Saquon Barkley? Bottom line, uh, Barkley and I assume his agent uh, are in concert here connecting the Texans. That makes sense. C.J. Stroud, they got a lot of good receivers. However, the Texans' offensive line, that needs to be significantly better than it has been uh, even last year when they won the AFC South. They had a ton of injuries. You know, Barkley's leaving one of the worst offensive lines in football with the Giants. And I'm not so sure, at least last year's Texans offensive line, because of all the injuries, was much better than the Giants offensive line. All right, 602-260-1060 if you want to get in. Last call for phone calls in this segment. On to today's local roundup, the Suns. Um, you know, lack of putting lack, lack of putting away these bad teams is something that I don't think I've talked about enough, quite frankly. I've had plenty of other criticisms about the Suns since their roster construction was horribly uh, put together last July. And uh, one thing I haven't talked about enough, in my opinion, or their lack of just putting away bad teams, uh, and this has been a frequent issue. Last night, they were pushed at home to beat the Rockets, who have the second-worst road record in the NBA. They blew all but three points of a 21-point lead. And the Suns, the worst fourth-quarter team in the NBA, also almost blew another game in the fourth quarter last night. They won 110-105 to 105 against the Rockets team, which has now lost nine consecutive road games, and the majority of those have been by double digits, those nine losses. Kevin Durant had to play all 40 minutes. Devin Booker had to play 39, excuse me, four, he had to play 40 minutes. It's not college. There are 48 minutes in an NBA game, Bob. Uh, but they played 40 minutes. Devin Booker, 39 minutes for the Suns. And the Suns last night were playing the first of three games in four nights. Uh, that could, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt on Saturday night against the Rockets again, but it might hurt when they play on Sunday against the Thunder. Meanwhile, the, uh, the pers- personnel news obviously, they were without Bradley Beal, hamstring. Evan Gordon out again, or you know, Eric Gordon, excuse me. Who's Evan Gordon? <laughs> Eric Gordon was out with a groin injury last night. Uh, now, Beal has now missed almost half the games this season. He's played 30, and he's missed 29. Meanwhile, bottom line, last night's game was uh, you know, basically uh, this game was so bad that I actually dozed off for several minutes in the second and third quarters, and I wasn't even tired. It was just, I was bored to death. It was awful basketball, once again. Up next, the Suns and the Rockets will play another likely unwatchable game tomorrow night. Hopefully, uh, Steve will stay awake. Uh, but you know, maybe it wouldn't be a bad thing if I actually just went to sleep. Uh, meanwhile, Pac-12 last night. A couple of key games. Uh, one key game, two games I want to mention. Washington State avoided another damaging loss. And... Uh, it was a, kind of an amazing performance, quite frankly, by by the Cougars. Isaiah Watts, who doesn't even start, uh, was a big part of this game last night. Uh, he and uh, you know Miles Rice were the stars of the game last night. Miles Rice is the star of the game most nights for Washington State. Washington State had to rally uh, to beat USC, seventy-five to seventy-two. 
The Cougars now 22 and 7 overall, 13 and 5 in Pac-12 play. Still have a chance to win the conference regular season championship because they do hold a tiebreaker against the UVA. Washington State trailed by 12 points late in the first half of this game and didn't take their first lead until 2.35 left in the game. Uh, when Watts, like I mentioned, hardly ever plays or starts, I should say, does, I don't know if he started any games, uh, but he, he was really good in the first half and he played almost the entire second half. Watts made a huge three-pointer to give them the lead last night in that second half. Uh, with the win and uh, UCLA's loss at Washington, the Cougars locked up a tops, uh, top four seed in the uh, Pac-12 Conference Tournament, which means they don't have to play until the uh, second day of the tournament, which is a big deal in the conference tournament. That's a good thing that the Pac-12's done there. Reward the teams that have been the best in the regular season and give them first-round buys. Meanwhile, Isaiah Collier, who we've talked about a lot with USC, uh, he, he's been playing lately, and he's been playing exceptionally well. Uh, last night, he ended up with 24 points in this game. There's a chance that Isaiah Collier might be the first pick of the NBA draft. Unfortunately for USC, he's missed a ton of games this year. Uh, and uh, I mentioned a couple of days ago, and uh, Ricky just mentioned in the last segment, he, he mentioned the talented USC team. Uh, they're a team, if they're healthy, uh, which has rarely been the case uh, during the regular season. But if they're healthy, uh, they're a team that can make a run and win a couple of games in the Pac-12 tournament. Meanwhile, UCLA's flirtation with being decent, uh, I think we can forget that. Uh, Keon Brooks uh, made a career-high six three-pointers last night. Washington blew out UCLA in Seattle 94-77. to I did not watch this game. I kind of wish I would have now, at least for a while. I'm guessing that Mick Cronin, who is Mr. Defense, went nuts watching his team give up 94 points in one game to a bad team, which is Washington. This is uh, yeah, anybody, and I'm raising my hand here, trust me, uh, raising my hand. Uh, anybody that thought UCLA kind of had a chance to get it together, uh, we, you know, we, we should you know, slap myself in the face. That's what I'm doing right now. I mean, that was a stupid idea by me and others. I'm not the only one. If you want to come by, I'll slap you in the face too. I'm just kidding because you'll slap me back and slap me harder and I'll be done for life at that point. All right, uh, UCLA plays at Washington State, by the way, on Saturday. So we'll see what happens in that game. All right, when we come back, we will wrap up today's Sports Zone with the National Roundup. Uh, that'll be after Corey's Sports Update. Once again, don't forget the Extra Point hosted by Kayla coming up between 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock. We'll get in, I'm assuming, into some more college basketball at that point, even though last night's schedule for a, there wasn't there wasn't much out there last night. I will get to one of those games in the next segment in the National Roundup from last night, uh, which caught my attention. It really has nothing to do with the team that won this game. It has to do completely with the team that lost the game. So I'll get to that in the next segment. You're listening to Sports Now with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. 
That's right, HD Radio on 100.7, channel number two. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today. Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. And on the National Roundup we go. We start with the latest line. Uh, Mavericks at Celtics tonight. And uh, the Celtics opened a nine-and-a-half point favorite. That uh, line is up to ten now. Boston obviously favored. And uh, the total opened 236-and-a-half. That's down to 235-and-a-half. I'd have a rough time betting any Mavericks game under, even though their defense has gotten better uh, significantly, maybe, since the trade deadline. Need to see a little more sample size, as they say, uh, to uh, judge whether their defense has gotten that much better, but it sure seems like it. Also, the Kings are tonight are at the Wolves. This is not a bad. This is an interesting game. Uh, and actually, what was interesting yesterday is I don't know why, and I tried to investigate it and wasted valuable time of my life, like five minutes. Uh, and just, they did not post an open line, you know, opening line on this game yesterday afternoon like they do most NBA games uh, because of some kind of injury situation, but I couldn't figure out what the heck it was. And I haven't figured it out this morning either because I forgot. Uh, so the, the current line I do have is the Minnesota six-and-a-half-point favorite tonight at home against the Kings. Total in this game at 224. All right, quickly from the scoreboard last night, one college game I want to mention. Nebraska's road woes continued. They have won a grand total of three games on the road. They won 17 at home. The NCAA tournament is not in Pinnacle Bank Arena in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. They've got to figure out how to win a road game at some point. Last night, they lost at Ohio State. Uh, Jamison Battle scored a season-high 32 points for the Mighty Buckeyes, at least the Mighty Buckeyes. Actually, the Mighty Buckeyes have been pretty good since they fired Chris Holtman. They've won three out of four games. Uh, also, Roddy Gale had 16 points and 10 rebounds. And Ohio State was shorthanded. Their starting point guard uh, wasn't able to play because of a migraine. And Ohio State still beat Nebraska. Nebraska loses another road game, 78-69. to uh, this game was tight most of the game, but Ohio State led for the majority of the second half. In fact, they led the entire second half. Uh, the lead got down to two with 69-67 uh, with about four minutes to go. And then Ohio State pretty much took over. Battle especially took over down the stretch in this game. Uh, or, you know, Nebraska returns home to play against Rutgers on Sunday. I'm sure they'll win that game. Uh, but, you know, they're, if they would just win two or three road games – uh, maybe we'd have some faith in them. But I don't know how you can have faith on them in them because they just absolutely suck on the road. And they're almost unbeatable at home. So good luck trying to figure out Nebraska once we get to the NCAA tournament, assuming they're in the NCAA tournament. Quickly, some rip from the headlines and from the wire stuff. And this is kind of a combination of the last couple of days because I did a poor job of uh, allocating time in this hour yesterday, so I didn't get to too much. In fact, I didn't get to hardly anything. Uh, so Colts general manager Chris Ballard uh, you said that the organization will find a way to keep wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. Also, Dolphins GM Chris Greer said that the uh, Jalen Waddle trade rumors of late uh, are completely ridiculous, and uh, he said that, he'll be a, that Waddle will be here for some time. I guess sometime can mean anything. Uh, sticking with the Dolphins, Jalen Ramsey, not a big fan of former defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. 
Uh, Fangio let go by the end of the year. They got free. They had some kind. He was basically fired. Uh, they had some kind of you know phony you know explanation as to why Fangio is leaving. Uh, Jalen Ramsey said we there was a few words that I don't even say, whether I'm on the air enough or, or not on the air. Uh, so there's uh, you know, apparently there were some defensive players that didn't like Fangio either. Meanwhile, the Packers saved $2.4 million in their 2024 cap space by restructuring the contract of Preston Smith. Uh, in addition, Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins is sprinting less than six months after Achilles' uh, Achilles tendon surgery. The Steelers say that they have not made a decision on the fifth-year option of uh, running back Najee Harris, also from Major League Baseball. I uh, meant to mention this yesterday. New Dodger pitcher Yoshi Yamamoto, y- Yoshi Yamamoto, I got to say that slowly, uh, pitched two scoreless innings and struck out uh, three batters in his Cactus League debut on Wednesday. And also this morning, Valley product CJ Chrome signed with the Red Sox, possibly as an insurance policy or to some extent, or some insurance. Uh, the currently injured uh, starting first baseman Tristan Casas who's had some kind of issue in spring training injury-wise. And one other quick thing I heard through the grapevine, growing uh, growing hope is the term here that the Athletic used, that Chris Jones will return to the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, he's a free agent. All right, when we come back after the top of the hour, that's it for the Sports Zone, by the way, so thanks for listening. When we come back at the top of the hour, it'll be two more hours of blockbuster programming. Uh, with the extra point, Kayla hosting a course, and I'll try to try to follow along and not screw it up. Also, we have some more phone call time, 602-260-1060. Once again, this has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>